What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 44 coming at you today. But first, I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as always, is Brett Rosenstein, not to be confused with Brett. Brett, how are you doing today? Yeah, it's actually Jet, two T's. I know a lot of people get my name confused, complicated. I've gotten Jeff, Jet with one T, apparently Brett as well. But yeah, it is Jet, Jet with two T's. That's J-E-T-T, J-E-T-T, Jet. Happy to be here as always. Another great episode in store. A little bit of a break, but, um, you know, some breaks are needed for, for different circumstances. And I think we can, I, I guess, qualify the, the reason that we take a break to be, you know, well worth it. So uh, yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, what Jet is alluding to there is my three-year anniversary. First time ever having Ruth's Chris, and oh my goodness. Jet, have you ever been? I have been, very good. Very it's, good. It, the porterhouse for two. <sighs> got uh, got some strip, New York strip, and some fillet. Wow, fillet is it's just immaculate. Wow, very nice. Immaculate. Sounds good. So sound good. Today we will be talking about <clears throat> two months ago today to the very day we did our quarterly playoff predictions for the MLB. We told you that we'd come out with half and then three quarters. So every quarter season. We're going to give you our revamped playoff prediction, so we'll get into that. We are also going to get into the AFC South record predictions. Um, only three divisions left, two divisions after today. So that's that's exciting, and you guys are going to see what we have going on for the AFC South and why my Indianapolis Colts will be winning margin. And then I do have a surprise segment for Jet. No, he has not been told about it. He is not prepared for it at all. He's scrambling right now, looking up all his notes. He's got Ken working on everything, just searched up sports news. So he doesn't know what's going on. But, Jet, let's start with the half playoff prediction. So we're halfway through the MLB season now, a little bit, a little bit more than halfway through. But um, a lot of the things that I mentioned in the first in the first quarter, maybe coming to fruition, which, you know, like, Jet, like, what? like, like I, I mean, we can get to that once we start, but you know, uh, let's, let's, I'm just going to get us started. So for, so for the first quarter, I foolishly said that there are eight teams in contention in each league for a playoff spot for the national league that turned out to be in Amazing, amazing thing to say because no other team in, in the National League will have any chance of making a playoff spot other than the eight teams we mentioned in the first quarter. Jet may seem to think otherwise. American League, I said the same thing, and two teams have suddenly rose from the ashes, and you know we'll talk about them in a little bit. So, Jet, if you hear paper, you already know why. So don't even, don't bat an eye. Nobody needs to worry about it. So, Jet, here's what we got right now. What we're looking at, for me, in the National League, uh, I'm just going to – you want to start – work backwards, 8 to yeah. 1? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. In eighth place in the National League, I think this team will finish maybe five games out of a wild card spot. I have the San Francisco Giants, who are a little bit disappointing this season. Jet and I both had the idea that we think that they may – fall off after last season we both thought last season was a bit of a fluke to be the one seed and it's it's kind of proving true um last season it proved true as well after they got i mean really kind of manhandled in a series against the dodgers we saw that the dodgers were the much better team um 
But yeah, Giants at eight for me in the NL. Yeah, I I only have eight on my list. As much as I would love to include my Marlins at nine, just, just not our season. Too many injuries. Seems like every day a new guy gets injured, and even besides that, when you when you're almost breaking records for innings without a run, I mean that that's another problem in itself. But yeah, so I also have the Giants at number eight, and this was a team in the beginning of the season that I had penciled in. TS fall off, but I thought they weren't going to fall off completely and, you know, eventually, you know, be able to string enough wins together to make the playoffs. doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. It's just not been working out. Um, obviously, you know, there, there's some things to look forward to in the future, but for the Giants this year, they're going to have to sit this year's playoff run out. Yeah, so last two months ago today, we had the, but we both had the Giants at the seventh spot. Okay. So they they've regressed a little bit since then. I don't know their record then versus their record now, but obviously we've seen something. We both saw it that we didn't like. For me at number seven, Jet, I know you're frothing at the mouth to hear a certain team from Philadelphia, but you're not going to. Wow, that's just St. Louis Cardinals will be coming in seventh place. They will be about a half game back from a playoff spot. It is going to be a down-to-the-wire wild card race between the five, six, and seven seeds in my in my idea, in my ideal wild card race here. Um, but give me the Cardinals at seven, falling just short. It's, it's just not them. It, it's clearly the Phillies in the spot, and, and I think we, we have plenty of evidence to, to tell why it should be the Phillies, considering they just got swept by the Chicago Cubs in you know, what was supposed to be part of a, a very easy second-half schedule, which obviously, I mean, I don't know how much easier it can get than the Chicago Cubs. And yeah, you can, you can play the Pirates, you can play the Reds, but the Cubs are one of the worst teams in the league this year. And if the Phillies aren't even able to just scrap one win against that team, how could they even try and win a game against any other good team? So for me, I think it's been a very disappointing season for the Phillies. Like, like I always say, what comes up must go down, and the Rob Thompson factor is a perfect example of that. Started off hot, and it has kind of cooled off ever since. Um, I mean, Tommy and I were going over the lineup earlier, and it, it's just, you know, when, when you have someone like a Matt Vierling at the top of your lineup, doesn't really, you know, show any room for optimism going forward. And yeah, Bryce Harper's hurt, and I don't know. I don't know what his status is, but I don't think he's going to return anytime soon. So... I, mean, I think it was it was six weeks at the point of the injury. Yeah, so I, it, it, if he if he comes back and it could he'll be back. Time, if he comes back like his normal self, it may may take some time. But you're you're still without also like June Segura and Nick Castellanos has been not a great signing to date. Obviously, you know Kyle Schwarber, all star level player, but you know you know what his game is capable of. I just think even with how good the pitching side has been and. Mr. McChrystal touched on this, you know, on our last episode. I, I think that this is going to be another disappointing year for the Phillies and another year where they will not make the playoffs. Coming in at the sixth seed is the Philadelphia Phillies that Jed just mentioned. And you know what? Yeah, you can say cause for concern, dropping three straight to the Chicago Cubs. But all you got to do is turn back the calendar about four days um, and seven if you're counting this series. And all you have to do is realize, well, a three-game skid to Chicago, it stinks. But in your last six games, you're three and three against horrible baseball teams. So it, it's it's pretty easy to see 
you know, we sweeped the Marlins heading into the break, got subs coming in. I don't think it's too much of a cause for concern. A um, couple of non-only losses. I mean, we got blown out by the Cubs game one. Kyle Gibson is useless. Um, that's actually a tweet that you can see on my Twitter profile. Another another anomaly was Alec Bohm. He's one of the you know solid, most solid fielders in today's game, and he made an error that cost us the game in, in game two of the series. Game three, we just got beat. It's It, it was tough, but, you know, it happens. Phillies are coming in six, Jet with yeah. a half-game lead over the St. Louis Cardinals, and a lot to do with how we handled them throughout our season series this regular season. Yeah, and another thing I'll say, I mean, the Phillies, five of their next nine games are against the Atlanta Braves, which is you know, not, not going to be a, 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 an easy task at all, and obviously going to get the Pirates mixed in there as well, which, you know, should, should be wins, but we've seen the, the Phillies struggle against NL Central teams as evident in this past weekend, so we'll have to see if they can take care of business because they should, but for me, at number six, I do have the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I, I wasn't too high on this team just because of some questions on the pitching side of things and also also on the offensive side of things, and I think those questions have been answered really because of all the young guys that have stepped up. Nolan Gorman, um, Brandon Donovan, I mean, we know what Paul Goldschmidt's been doing all year, MVP caliber season on his way to potentially winning that MVP. Nolan Arenado having a bounce back year. A lot of a lot of things to like up and down this Cardinals lineup. There, there are still some question marks on the pitching side of things. Now with uh, Jack Flaherty, we don't know what his status is going to be. Miles Michaelis having a very good season, but when he's the, your, your one, I mean, yeah, they, they're going to still have some time to make some upgrades in the pitching department and there's been rumors out there that they have been linked to Juan Soto. And if they're able to land someone like Juan Soto, I think the St. Car- Louis Cardinals are no doubter to be in this year's playoffs. But obviously that's a big if. But despite that, even if they don't land someone like Soto, I think they have a good enough team, a consistent enough team to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you went with the safe pick there. I guess I, I can't I can't say that I hate you for it. But for me at number five is the New York Mets who I had at five. The quarterly predictions as well, I mean, this really is coming true, and I'm so glad to see it. Um, I would, I was tempted to put the Mets at four, but, you know, they just came off of a, a series loss to the Padres, who, you know, interesting nugget, as Jet would put it, to be seen later on in the show, about five minutes from now. Uh, the Mets are coming in at five. This is the Braves division. It always has been, and it always will be until someone can prove that they are better than the Braves in this division. Nationals aren't doing it. They're tanking. The Marlins aren't doing it. They're awful. Phillies aren't doing it because they like to win out of the wild card spot. And the Mets aren't doing it because they fall apart towards the latter half of every single Major League Baseball season. Mets at five. It's off the Mets, and, and I'm going to get to that once I get to them in about half an hour once you once you see where I have them. Um, but but number five for me is going to be the San Diego Padres. This is another team I've been pretty high on. I, I ta- targeted them as my pick to be in the World Series. If I think about the quarter waypoint, maybe a little bit past that point. Obviously, they, they've they've struggled at times over the past several weeks, but I think there's a lot of room for optimism because when you got your star player and Fernando Tatis Jr. on the way back, just adding that spark to your lineup is going to go a long way towards getting this team 
two potentially a World Series. I don't, I don't necessarily believe it as much as I did, but they still have plenty of talent. And they're also another team that's, you know, in play for someone like Juan Soto. And if they could land someone like him, I mean, that, that would be a, a huge upgrade to any team and just with the caliber, the kind of player that Juan Soto is. But I, I do have the Padres at five. All right, I have the Padres at four. And I, I don't know. You think the Tatis coming back is, is a big big shakeup for things, and I think it is too. Obviously, it's going to boost the lineup, but I just it may be a little bit early to label him. I don't see Fernando Tatis Jr. as a winner. I don't think that this player is, is the type of player that's going to elevate his teammates. Um, I don't see him. It's, it's kind of like the Steph Curry-Kevin Durant debate that's circulating the NBA right now, mostly because there's nothing to talk about NBA. But, I mean, nonetheless, it, it's a valid argument. Like, I mean, they played together. They both won easily. They played apart. Only Steph Curry has won. He's won two without him. So people say Steph, he elevates every single one of his teammates, and KD has never done that. I just I don't see I don't see Fernando Tatis as as the type of teammate that makes his teammates better. Um, he's always he's he's making errors that, that really I mean I think errors deflate a team more than just about anything in baseball. You would know and he, Alec Bohm, right? Well, no, I would I would know from the guy I'm talking about, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, Alec Bowman, Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I'm glad you mentioned them together because they are two of the premier <laughs> left side of the infield young players in today's game, but. Give me the Padres at four. I don't think that this is their year to make a deep playoff run, though. I think, yeah, I mean, the trade deadline can bring bring some things that can potentially change your opinion. I think what Fernando Tatis brings is just the energy. I think inserting him into the lineup is may, maybe not elevate the guys around him, but just the the way he plays, I think, can can do a lot in, in changing a team's uh, direction. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to him returning to the lineup, but – Number four for me is going to be the Atlanta Braves. I That's have, just wrong. It's, it's just fine. wrong to it's continue fine. to have the Mets at one. You it's know, just it's, wrong. You know, you know you're wrong. I mean, the, the Atlanta Braves, yeah, they're, they're right behind the Mets. Going to be a game and a half out once the Mets-Padres game goes final. But, yeah, the, the Braves got off to a slow start. The Braves also just lost, um, I believe, was it two out of three to the Mets, or did they did they split in that series? They they lost two out of three to the Mets. Yeah, so they, they lost two out of three. I mean, I think, you know, it's a, it's a very small sample size, but just the Braves not being able to take care of business there and in a series that one of those series down the road that is going to decide the division, if they're not able to take care of business there, I don't know if they ever will. Uh, the, the big thing for the Braves is what is really going on with Ronald Acuna. I think if he's able to regain his form, which he's shown flashes of, I think, then I could see the Braves winning this division. But until I see that, um, and, and there's also some pitching concerns as well, I, I think the Braves are going to be a wild card team, the, the best wild card team by a, a significant margin. But they'll, they'll probably finish within two games of the Mets for the division. at home despite your your best gut reaction your best feelings inside no my co-host brett is not a fan of the new york mets i know he continues to push this i know he continues to push this agenda about them for some reason that portrays as if the mets don't fall apart like the jet this is the same thing that we Season. Different, different. It's so different. It's just not. It's so different. We'll see. It's so we'll different. See, coming in at three for me is the 
Milwaukee Brewers, who I had at one uh, at the quarterly predictions. That was really a bit of a – what's that word called? Jet? Clickbait. It was really clickbait. Yeah. Jet didn't really even use it. Uh on our snippet for the <laughs> for the preview of the of the podcast episode that that was on, so it didn't really matter anyway. But the Brewers at three for me. <laughs> yeah, good, uh, <laughs> good good summation there about the Brewers. Um, I, I I also I also have the Milwaukee Brewers at three, and I, I don't know if Tommy can tell me where I had them last time. I'm pretty sure it was probably around the same thing, maybe maybe one spot higher. But um, you had the Brewers at two. Yeah, so I, I had the Brewers one spot higher. I think it's just it's been a common theme for this team the past several seasons. They just can't get enough offensive firepower in this lineup. They have too many guys that are low batting average, high home run guys, and you know that'll get it done at some points. But overall, it's just not going to work. And the rotation, it's you know it's still very good. And this is without Freddie Peralta. Brandon Woodruff has, has missed some time. Um, I, I think the Brewers have the I think the difference between the Brewers and the Cardinals is the pitching, and I think that's what's going to get them to the division title. However, I just think between them and my two and one in the National League, I think it's a big difference. I don't know. The Brewers are interesting to me because I don't see how – I just don't see how Woodruff and Peralta continue to be off the mark all season, like you mentioned, obviously they both missed some time. Feralta, I think, is still out right now. Yeah, yeah but I, I think that they're both going to come back and and we're be the pitchers. Playing. No, no, I'm saying and be the pitchers oh. that we like. We were more accustomed to them yeah. seeing over the past two years or so, um, and really compliment Corbin Burns, who has been as solid as a pitcher over two seasons I've really seen in, in quite some time. Um, potential to win back-to-back National League Cy Young awards. Potential. No. He has potential. He's no. he's doing the same thing he did last season, Jeff. Potential, but he's not even in the top two. Or top three. But he's doing the same thing he did last year and it won it for him. Yeah, but there's other guys that are doing things better than him right now. Yeah, but Tony Gonzalez is falling off. Sandy Alcantara, he's too young. He's probably going to get hurt. Not to wish it on him, but, you <laughs> <Young>. know. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, and I was contemplating between one and two. It was tough for me. And I'm going to give the Braves the two spot. Wanted to put them at one, but the thing is, is that they got off to a really slow start, whereas their their counterpart, the Dodgers, did not. So the Braves are two for me. Somehow you had them in the wild card region of this, of this report, but Acuna Jr. is fine. Matt Olson's playing well. Charlie Morton is having one of the worst years of his career. He's going to bounce back. He's going he's gonna to be good in the playoffs. And this team is going to be just fine, Jet. Atlanta Braves at two. I know yeah, Charlie Morton started off slow, but his last, like, five or so starts have been really good. So I don't think he's going to be – I know you said he's not going to be a problem come playoff time, but his last, like – let me see his last – yeah, he's given up five five runs in one start, and the rest were – the other six, it looks like, were two runs or less. So Charlie Morton's fine. He's been fine. Um, he's, he's an important guy to have, especially in the postseason. Um, but I, I don't think the Braves have enough to win this division. So number two for me is going to be the New York Mets. And there, there's just – I don't like saying it. I don't. And, and Tommy can say that I you do. You clearly I do. I just don't. I'm just it's saying – It's clear. 
but I truly believe Thomas is saying it more out of just the disliking towards the team. And I could do it. I could very well do the same thing. But Not true. Just, just from watching this Mets team play, um, it, it just feels differently, just the, the vibe around the team. And this is all without Jacob DeGrom not even playing. And obviously it's even a big question mark whether he's going to be able to play once he's back. But inserting him at the top of that rotation, I think it's going to be the difference in the Mets winning this division and not. And even just going along with that, when we're looking at the strength of the schedule the rest of the way, the Mets have the fifth easiest schedule in the MLB the rest of the way. Some of their notable series against the Rockies, against the um, stuff, Loss. a bunch of series against the Phillies, those, those will be relatively easy. The Reds, um, the Pirates, my Marlins, the Cubs, the Pirates again, the Oakland Athletics, my Marlins again, and then they finish off the year with a series against the Nationals. I think things are looking you know, just fine for this Mets team. Yes, they've stumbled a little bit. I don't think anyone thought they were going to sustain the run that they were on early in the season, but I don't think a normal person thinks that they're just going to collapse like they have in years past. That's a little bit rude because I am a normal person, but Dodgers at one for me, this is, I mean, despite what I said about the Braves, this was an easy call. The Dodgers, they, I mean, they 200, they're plus 200 in run differential almost already. I mean, this team is just, it's unfair, really, the lineups that they put together. And you can say they bought it, blah, 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 which for a lot of the pieces they did, but a lot of their pieces were also drafted. So, I mean, the Dodgers, it's a great franchise. You can't really do anything about it. It's historically maybe not as good as it is now, but maybe in the past five years or so, there's no no team has been better on a year-to-year basis. I would even almost go past 10 years. Um, it's going to be same thing, same story every year. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs getting there. And they could potentially crumble when they're in there due to Clayton Kershaw falling off in the playoffs for some reason. But I think the Dodgers are, are here to stay. They're staying at the first seed. Yeah, and like you said, the Dodgers have been very used to this situation being at the top of the National League and then, you know, getting into the playoffs. And, yeah, they won back in 2020. Obviously, that was a, some different circumstances. But they have struggled, though, to get into the World Series in a, let's say, normal year. But – um, they, they, on paper, they, they clearly have the best team. Like just looking at their batting orders is that is as deep as it gets. And as far as their rotation goes, they're doing this all right now without Walker Bueller, which, which is just remarkable. The, the rotation, they have four guys with a sub three ERA in Tyler Anderson, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, and Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that, that, that's very hard to do. I think that it's, it's the Dodgers national league to lose i think the only other team that could potentially compete with them are the atlanta braves wow jet but the mets are one of the division the mets are gonna oh yeah so that, that one that one and a half games that the braves are back right now is yeah. just too insurmountable i didn't say it was i did not i said i said the mets are going to finish with a lead within two games but they're going to be able to stave the braves off the braves are just going to be a bigger threat in the playoffs something that the mets have struggled to do in years past maybe because they're ass jet let's just talk about the seven through ten seeds very briefly in the american league we both have 10 right yes okay because just for the sake of this segment not running on for the yeah, whole entire I mean, show I know, I know you're passionate about your your braves but um yeah. So, 10 is the Baltimore Orioles, who I really don't think have 
that much of a chance to make the playoffs. Technically, they're considered in the hunt, but I mean, they're they're forty seven and forty eight, which is the best record we've seen from them since Chris Davis was actually good and Adam Jones and Manny Machado. So just just out of sake of good for you, Orioles at ten, Guardians at nine, really for the same reason. White Sox at eight for the absolute opposite reason. This team was literally a shoe in for the American League Central Division, and they're they're crumbling. And it's it's actually ridiculous to watch this. They are playing like absolute shit, and and I don't know whether it's partially because of Tony La Russa, partially because you know players aren't playing exactly how they're supposed to. A lot of injuries early in the year. They're slowly getting on a better track, but I don't think they make the playoffs. And the Boston Red Sox at seven to round out my in the hunt teams for the American League. Yeah, this is tough for me. It, it, it was a really tough decision for my sixth team, but I'll go I'll go tenth or seven really really quickly here. Ten is the Orioles. Um, Tommy already talked about them. Nine Red Sox. Just they're they're becoming a, a daily blooper reel with, with some of the plays that we're seeing from that team. It's just it's just very hard to watch for a for a franchise that's one of the more notable franchises in baseball. Number eight for me is the Cleveland Guardians. And, and this is really hard to leave off, but I just have a gut feeling, and I'm running with my gut feeling. Number seven, the Tampa Bay Rays. It is, wow. so, it is so hard for me to do, but just looking at, I mean, they're, they're seven and three in la- their last ten, and they're on a little two-game skid to, to the Kansas City Royals. But just, and I know they're the team that, it makes up with the with what they have less of they make the most out of it and that's evident in guys like Harold Ramirez um G-Man Choi Francis Gimmihi all having great years but this is a team that's going to be out without Wander Franco and Kevin Kiermaier for quite some time and other than Shane McClanahan and Drew Rasmussen and maybe Corey Kluber at times. I, I think there are some questions in this pitching rotation. This prediction right here is basically saying if the Rays don't make a move at the trade deadline, I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and coming in at number six for me is the Seattle Mariners, who is kind of a feel-good story. They're Them and the Phillies are both going to snap the two longest playoff droughts in Major League Baseball this season, so kudos to both of those teams. Julio Rodriguez came on and is playing absolutely great. He put his name on the map in the Home Run Derby, which, I mean, as far as baseball goes, that's probably the best publicity stunt there is, which is sad to even say. Um, You know, there's notable tweets of guys in the NFL saying, man, this Julio Rodriguez guy is good. Yeah, I mean, he's the best. He's going to win Rookie of the Year, and nobody until. Home run derby, which is just terrible marketing on Rob Manfred's part, and everybody knows Manfred's a piece of shit. So, Jed, who's at six for you? Fuck Rob Manfred. Yeah. Any other uh, <laughs> any other derogatory terms you want to throw out there before I get to number six? No, not about you or Rob Manfred. So okay, go ahead. Perfect. Uh, number six for me is going to be the Chicago White Sox. This team is way too talented to miss out on the playoffs. And I know you mentioned it before, Tony LaRusso is probably holding them back, but there's a lot of factors that could contribute to the White Sox making a run. And it looks like they're starting to do so. They're, they've won a two-game winning streak, seven and three of their last 10. It seems like they're finally getting back to full health. I think when Luis Robert gets back into this lineup, I think this team is just going to take off. And as far as the rotation goes, Lance Lynn has been awful. 
in his return from injury, but his last start showed some promise. Lucas Giolito, the the underlying metrics say he's just underperforming. I think he's too good of a pitcher to continue pitching with a 5.12 ERA. And and just looking at this lineup up and down, very, very talented lineup. I think if they can maybe potentially make a couple um, ads before the deadline or at the deadline, I think – this team, like I, I'm going to just keep saying, too much firepower to not make the playoffs. Considering they also have the easiest schedule the rest of the way, obviously that's due in large part because of the division that they play in. A lot of games in division the rest of the way. Number five for me is a team that just came off of beating the Boston Red Sox by three touchdowns and a field goal, the Toronto Blue Jays. And yes, you heard that correctly. It was a 27 to three finish. Absolutely, absolutely incredible to even say. Uh, Bills beat the Patriots 27-3, basically. But, yeah, they're coming in fifth. That's all I got to say. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, five number, for you. number five for me <laughs> is the Seattle Mariners, and this is a team that I had the, had in the playoffs to start of the season. For some reason, Tom and I both just wrote them off, the, the quarter league, just because they were so – they were buried at the bottom of the American League, and I just think that – both of us, I mean, it was it was going to take an improbable run to get out of that hole, and and they found a way with that long winning streak they were on. But like like Tom has mentioned, Julio Rodriguez is I think the the main reason why this team is where where they are. And honestly, he should get some consideration for MVP. Not not saying he should finish in the top three for voting, but get some MVP votes just because of how valuable he's been for this team. Um, Lots of like for the Mariners. They they could be very scary come playoff time, especially if they make some additions in uh, in or at the trade deadline. This this would be the first time the Mariners were in the playoffs since I believe two thousand one. Yeah, that's that's exactly two thousand one and Philly since two thousand eleven. Both droughts of snapping. Casey missed me saying that the first time. Coming in at number four for me, a team that you have missing out on the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Rays. I still think that this team just they just find a way to get it done every time and I just haven't been given a reason as to why it won't happen. They made the playoffs before without Wander Franco. They made deep runs before without Wander Franco. I still think they're good enough to do it, especially with Shane McClanahan pitching like what is going to likely turn out as the American League Cy Young winner with a 171 earned run average. Just absolutely incredible for him to be doing. Yandy Diaz is playing really well. Randy Rosarena is not having his best his best year by any by any metric, but we all know he's known to turn it on in the playoffs. So I think that we could see a another good playoff run out of these Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know about really making it out of the American League with the kind of gauntlet that's going on in there right now, but I think the Rays are are still a shoe in to make a playoff appearance this year. Yeah, number four for me is the Toronto Blue Jays, and I believe the Blue Jays are the biggest threat to the Yankees and the Astros. And I think for whoever has to face the Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays come out of the wild card round, I think that team, whether it's the Yankees or the Astros, could be in severe danger of getting eliminated from a team that has really turned it on uh, that they passed several weeks really underperforming to begin the year. But like the White Sox, this is just another team that has too much talent to be struggling for, for so long. And they've had some emerging players two all-stars in all 100 Kirk, San Diego Espinal, Matt Chapman's kind of getting back to his old self. Obviously they have those stars and Vlad jr. Bo Bichette has been good. And then the pitching side of things, Jose Barrios has not had a good year, but 
with the play of Alec Manoa. He has really taken over as the, the lead dog in this pitching rotation and then just up and down the rotation. A bunch of guys with sub three, around three ERAs. This team is going to be a, a tough out come playoff time. A very tough out, and and we both picked them to win the American League preseason. I guess it's kind of just the thing that people do for the Canadian teams among baseball and football, picking the Bills and, and Blue Jays to win their respective conferences yeah. for some reason every year. <laughs> the third-place team for me is the Minnesota Twins coming out of the Central Division. Luis Arias, I can't believe – like. His name was at the top of the batting average chart all year. And, you know, 25 games in, you're like, Jesus, this guy's playing crazy. 30 games in, you're like, what's going on? 50 games in, holy cow, he's still doing it. He hasn't, he hasn't skipped a beat. He's hitting 341 with five homers, 33 RBIs. And obviously anybody hitting 341 is helping out their team a major amount of the plate just by how often they're getting on base. Um, I don't know his on-base percentage for sure, but his OPS is 8.58, so he's doing his job at the plate. On, Carlos Correa, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 never mind. Go ahead. Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa is slowly turning into a good signing for the Minnesota Twins. He started the year relatively slowly. He's still not the Carlos Correa that a lot of people expect. Um, only 12 home runs and 34 RBIs on the year. He he missed a little bit of time though. Uh, this team. And Byron Buxton, too, he's, he starts every year hot as ever, and he's been able to stay healthy this year, which is something new for him. I'm going to go ahead and knock on some wood whenever I get the chance to, just for his sake. But I think this team is, is poised to win this Central. I don't think the White Sox catch him. I certainly really don't think the Guardians catch them. Um, but I, I think this team is – I mean, they're definitely – there's a potential that as the three seed, they're the weakest team in the American League in the playoffs. Yeah, and and get ready to write this down in your notebook. But um, if the if the Twins don't make any, um, that they're my number three seed. But if they don't make any additions in the pitching department, they're gonna lose to the six seed in the wild card round. Whether that's the White Sox, whether that's the Rays, um. Their offense can only take them so far, especially come postseason time. You need pitching to win. And while, you know, Joe Ryan, who's been their, their number one starter, he has a sub three ERA, this is a guy who's never pitched in a playoff game. And with someone like him starting game one of a wild card series, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily like their chances. And, and while their offense is carrying this team all season long, it, that, that run stops in the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, I agreed. I, I don't think that the Twins just – they don't. I don't think they have what it takes. I don't think that they can beat – really, out of these 10 teams in the American League, I think that they'd be hard-pressed hard to beat anyone outside of the Guardians and Orioles in, a, in like, a three- to five-game series. Like, I, I will say this. If they are able to trade for one of the big names that are on the market, like a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo, I think my outlook of them would change a little bit. I think they could potentially get out of the first round, but it would be very hard past that, though. Very difficult. For me at number two, and you're going to not like this, but it's the New York Yankees. I don't think that – and I, I said this before. I think that their pitching staying healthy as a unit all year is, is very lucky to happen. And then, boom, all of a sudden one of them goes down. It, it's 
possible to keep your whole rotational. Um, team's been slowing down just a little bit. Aaron Judge hitting 294 now. He was hitting like 340 um, just a month ago. So this this team is, I mean, obviously I'm not trying to downplay the team at all. I still have them at the two seed behind only the best team in baseball, in my opinion, right now. And, you know, you look at this these home runs for these guys. Judge has 37. Stan has 24. Rizzo has 22. Torres has 15. Matt Carpenter has seemingly revived his career here with 14 home runs in, in only 93 at-bats. He's hitting 323 with 14 homers. So good for him, I guess. Joe, Joey Gallo has been a non-factor. Same with Josh Donaldson. Um, but this team, they definitely have the hitting to get it done. And the reason that this team is so good this year, they always have the hitting, but now they have guys like Nestor Cortez, who has been a consistent starter for them all year. Uh, Montgomery and Tyone, who I last predicted would – definitely slow down a little bit have done so Tyone is now almost at a four and run average Montgomery in the three twos and Garrett Cole is still pitching right around a three ERA like he has been all year but uh, I think this team is is definitely poised to make a deep playoff run it's going to be tough for any wild card team to beat them yeah I, I don't like unless it. it's in division yeah I don't like that that they have the Yankees too because I love it I also have the Yankees at number really? two. I, I, I totally agree with everything you said. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, and obviously if, if these two teams are tied, the Astros have the head-to-head tie rate. They're, they're the better team than the Yankees. And until the, the Astros can, until the Yankees can beat the Astros in the playoffs, I think the Astros are still the team to beat in the American league. I think as far as the pitching goes for the Yankees a lot of injuries the past couple of weeks Michael King is a guy that was just placed on the 60 day day IL big part of that bullpen and when you have guys like Araldis Chapman who just have not been the same I mean I think you're going to suffer some things going forward and you talked about some of the pitchers in the rotation that have kind of took a step back as of late this offense isn't really going to go anywhere I mean yeah, there's a lot of guys with sub 250 batting averages, but Aaron Judge is the driving force behind this offense. And while they may be inconsistent down the stretch, I think that one of the main reasons they finish at the two seed as opposed to the one seed, the Astros have a much easier schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, well, my main reasoning for having the Astros at one is is two of their better hitters still really haven't gotten going yet. And this team is 64 and 32. And uh, <laughs> 32 games above 500 and Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman really have not gotten going yet. As far as the standards that we've seen them play at before and we expected them to play at again this year. And I, it's, it's very tough to see a team like these Astros fall off at all. And one more team I want to mention before we finish up the American league is how ridiculously crazy it is what has happened to these Los Angeles angels. I mean, we had them as like the, after like the first month or so, or honestly, it was like two months of baseball. We had them as like the second best team yeah. in the league. I mean, they were like 21 and 10, right? Yeah. They, they, they're, they're 40 and 55. 40 and I, I mean, 55 I, and thinking about trading their, their best player, one of the best yeah. players. The, the, just... Unreal. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about them, but Astros at one, Angels at 16. (laughs) Putting them below the last team, putting them at 16. I also have the Astros at one, and you talked about Bregman and Kyle Tucker, but I think more so Kyle Tucker, I think, 
Bregman's kind of struggled these past few years, but I think both of these guys are capable of much more production and just their lineup and another lineup filled with offensive firepower. And this is also with Michael Brantley currently on that IL, a guy that provides a much needed stable presence in the middle of that lineup. And then another guy that should be coming back very soon, Lance McCullers Jr., another piece that you can add to a rotation that doesn't have a guy with a higher than a four ERA led by Justin Verlander right behind him, Framber Valdez. This team is way too good. And a lot of it has to do with the guy that I believe should be at the front of the MVP race, Jordan Alvarez. Well, another man we both forgot to mention was the American League Cy Young to be Justin Verlander. I just mentioned him. When I say we both, I meant me and Brett, not, not Jet. Fair enough. All right, you want the surprise segment now, or do you want the AFC South now? I want the AFC South. All right, let's get into the AFC South. Jet, this is a, I mean, it's, this is a delightful division to do for me, and I hope you can understand that. I hope you can bear with my intense pleasure throughout this entire thing. Is that, is that fine with you? Yeah, whatever. So this, this, the earlier part of this, the two teams I have coming in last place, it was tough to have their record be as bad as they are. I have the Jaguars going two and fifteen, and it's just it feels impossible to think that they can even be even go the same record as last year, let alone be worse than last year. It's just hard to see, but I can see it. I don't think I just don't see many winnable games here for this team. I have them beating the Colts at home in week two. Just because I'm never gonna give the Colt, I'm never gonna take that win for granted ever again for the rest of my life. The Colts beating the Jags in Jacksonville, and the Texans in Week Five at home. Other than that, who are they gonna beat? I don't think they'll beat the Titans. I don't think they're gonna beat the Cowboys or the Ravens or the Chiefs or the Raiders, the Broncos. I don't think they're gonna sweep the Colts, the Chargers. I mean, it, the Eagles. This is not an easy schedule by any means. I have a few games that I could see them winning, like the Jets or the Lions, but I'm higher on both of those teams than I am on the Jaguars, and those games are both on the road. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving the Jags two wins this year, and it's tough to say. It's really tough because you want to think that the Jaguars going to be able to take a step forward, even if it's just a game better than where they were last year, considering Trevor Lawrence is coming into his second year, getting Travis Etienne back. They made some of those additions on the offensive side of the ball. But I also have them finishing with the I I have them finishing with the same record as last year game um, greater than Tommy three and fourteen with their wins coming against the Colts in week two <laughs> and you see before I before I mentioned who else I have them beating we I have to preface it as there are always surprises every week where these bad teams find ways to beat really good teams and these two th- these two games I've won these are very good teams and the Broncos and the Raiders but both of these games are at home. These are games where the Las Vegas and Denver has to travel from one side of the country to the other. I'm very big on that. I I take the West Coast, East Coast travel thing into a ton of consideration, especially coming down to Jacksonville. We see it time and time again with teams um, struggling and it's, it's very tough to do, but it happens every year. And these, these are a couple of the surprises that I think we see in this season. My only issue with that, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's, just, it's a prediction. That's fine. My only issue is how do you have the Texans sweeping them, but you have them beating both the Raiders and Broncos who are 
by a lot of people expected to be playoff contenders this year. It's the type of thing where sometimes teams will play down to competition, and when they have a, a tougher team that they play, they play up to them just because when, when you have that kind of team in your, in your stadium – you kind of put all the chips in and just try focusing on being one of those two, those two teams. The Texans are more winnable games. I agree with, but those are the types of games where maybe we see a young team, not necessarily keep their foot on the gas from the first quarter to the end. Okay. Texans, very similar story for me. I have them going two and 15 as well. And it's, it's so ridiculously hard to say. I'm going to continue to plead. It's a tough, a tough schedule. Um, I have them beating the Jags. I have the Jags and Texans splitting and I have the Texans other win coming against the Titans at home in week eight. They beat the Titans last year at home and the Titans have shown a very prominent issue. And that is losing to really, really bad teams. Last year they lost to the Jets and Texans. And I think they lost to one other team that they really very easily should have beaten. Um, and still ended up with five losses. So, I mean, they that they win those games. That's a 15-win team. They definitely should have won these games. Um, I mean, Davis Mills, he was the best rookie quarterback last year, in my opinion. Forget Mac Jones. I don't care about him. Marlon Mack, he's going to be an upgrade at running back from what they had last year, I think. I don't think – I think he'll be better than David Johnson was. Damian Pierce, they drafted, who will likely be, become the, the starter. I don't know if they're planning on doing a committee down there or not. Um, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Chris Conley, and that's kind of the end of names that anyone knows. Laramie Tunsil. I don't. I mean, it's just there's not a lot to be excited here about, except unless Davis Mills can improve and maybe they found a diamond in the rough with a good quarterback. But that's really yeah. that's about it couple young good defensive players yeah i i think when i look at this team i I was trying to find ways for them to potentially see a a couple win increase from last year to this year but just i mean the main the main concern with them is is their defense and they added some young guys especially with their one of their early first round picks Derek stinley jr but i have way too many concerns to think that they'll be able to hold off some of the opposing offenses that they have to face and i like davis mills and i think him it's going to, I think it's going to take another step forward this year. I think the Texans have their quarterback of the future, and while they're going to have a very rough season, I think they're going to stay consistent with their record from last year, go 4-13. and 13. And this is another team that, like the Jaguars, we see every year teams like the Texans and the Jaguars beat really good teams. And the Texans, they beat the Chargers. They beat the Tennessee Titans. Those were two of their signature wins, and the other two were against the Jaguars. I think they sweep that series against the Jaguars once again this year, find a way to beat, beat the Titans. Um, the the Texans beat the Titans on, on the road last year. I think the Texans are finding a way to beat the Titans at home this year. And then the other win I have for – um, the Texans is at Chicago against the Bears. I think that's a very winnable game. Chicago, yeah, it could be a tough place to play at times, but the Texans should be able to go in there and get the job done. Four and 13, going to have another high draft pick. Tennessee Titans at two. And this is, it's kind of the same thing I said with the Patriots. It feels low, but I'm going to plead my case as to why I don't think it is. I have the Titans going eight and nine. And when I look at this depth chart, I see an unbelievable amount of has-beens. Guys that I don't expect to stay healthy all year. 
And if they do, I don't expect them to. I think people take name value into account a lot oh, when yeah. looking at teams like the Titans and the Cowboys, just like why Madden has the Cowboys as like the fifth best team as far as overall goes this year, like an 87 overall. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, the Titans are, I think we're in the top 12 as well. You see names like Robert Woods, Derrick Henry, Taylor Lewan, Danico Autry, and it's, 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 it's a lot of names, Bud Dupree, a lot of guys that I don't expect to stay healthy all year, and a lot of guys expect to perform all year. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, they're only going to be as good as Ryan Tannehill is, and Ryan Tannehill lost his favorite weapon in A.J. Brown, and he lost his, I mean, really what was his second-best weapon in Julio Jones, which is, is interesting to say just because he didn't do much down there. But another name I forgot to mention, Austin Hooper. I mean, these are all guys that are, at, at best, in the later, like, in the last year of their prime, at best. And I, I don't think the Titans come away with many wins here. I'm going to go game by game and, and walk you through it. Beating the Giants week one, then dropping three straight at Bills, at home versus the Raiders, and at the Colts. Beating the Commanders, heading into the bye week two and three, and then beating the Colts at home, losing to the Texans on the road, losing to the Chiefs on the road, beating the Broncos at home, and then dropping three straight again, losing to the Packers in Green Bay, Bengals at home, Eagles in Philly, beating the Jags at home, losing to the Chargers in Los Angeles, and then winning three straight to end the year against the Texans, Cowboys, and Jaguars to go 8-9. and nine. And, and it's a tough schedule, so 8-9 and nine seems low. And like I said, I don't, I don't see this team really winning more than nine games. Yeah, I, 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 no, I agree with you here. I do have them going one game better than you. I think that they're definitely going to take a step back, but I don't think too many things are changing. I think, yeah, the loss of A.J. Brown is going to hurt. The loss of Clue Jones, not really affecting this team that much. They, they brought in Robert Woods, which may take some time for him to recover from his injury. Traylon Burks, I think he's going to, make up for that A.J. Brown role, I think he's going to be be more than capable to to fill into the wide receiver one role in, in Tennessee. They also brought in Austin Hooper and reports coming out of training camp that Tannehill and Hooper have a very solid connection this far. And then as far as their defense, I mean, we have to remember that they're returning 10 starters and this defense finished in the top half of the league in many of the statistical categories, um, according to pro football reference. And one key thing to point out about this defense, 2021 first round pick Caleb fairly towards ACL last October. Um, yeah, he's had plenty of injury issues throughout his career, not only in the NFL, but college, but he kind of steps into that cornerback uh, one role. And if he can you know, take a step forward in his uh, second year as a pro, I think this defense is going to be just fine. I think, yeah, they're, they're not going to be the one seed. And I also don't even think they're going to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if this team is, is able to win 10 games, even though I have them winning only nine. And finally, the beautiful Indianapolis Colts. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit longer here, which jet you got to allow because I let you go on for about 45 minutes with the Miami Dolphins. 42. Thank but, you. Yeah. 42. Quarterback Matt Ryan, people say this isn't an upgrade over Carson Wentz, and to that I say, go fuck yourself, <laughs> stop watching football. It's just incorrect. It's, an, it's literally, it is an incorrect thing to say. 
Is Matt Ryan going to go out there and win us games? Is he going to will wins onto our record? No, he's not going to do that. But Matt Ryan, what he is going to do is he's not going to will losses onto our record, which Carson Wentz did at least two or three times last season, whether it's, you know, shuffle passing with his left hand or being taken down for a safety to he'd rather take a pick six in the in his own end zone. Carson Wentz is a very unpredictable quarterback, and thankfully ownership in Indy is the same as I am and does not want that. Matt Ryan, we know what we're going to get. He's going to go out there. He's going to hit his checkdowns. He's going to hit his short routes. And if he has to make a long throw, he's capable to do so. He has receivers like what his favorite receiver was in, um, in Atlanta. Now, I'm not saying any of these guys are anything like Julio Jones was when he was in his prime. We have Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr., both guys over six foot four. Michael Strawn is six foot six. Ashton Doolin, Desmond Patton, Paris Campbell. That's the speedy part of our receiving core. The receiving core is going to be below average, but it's going to be better than people are saying it is. People think this is the worst receiving core in the league. I don't just Michael Pittman alone is good enough to not to not be that. Obviously, you know how much how I feel about Jonathan Taylor. Um he's the sexiest man in all of major sports, really. Good looking, charismatic funny, talented. Um, he got slimed for Nickelodeon. He was the Nickelodeon MVP. Of course he was. Taking, taking, the, taking the crown from Mitch Trubisky. Moali Cox was a good signing. The only issue I have, the only scared thing I am for this Colts team is left tackle, where you someone like Jet, who? Who could have the Colts use at left tackle to protect the blind side? They're on Armstead. Taron Armstead, Jet, thank you very much. Instead, he'll be protecting two Otago Vailoas. Sighted side, stupid signing by the Dolphins, but whatever. Matt Pryor. I didn't have him, so. Matt Pryor, and we lost um, a guy whose name slips my mind to the Giants last year. Right guard. You, I don't know if you know his name. Either way, Danny Pinter is going to be our new right guard. He's same same thing. It's not going to be a big deal. The defense is where I really love this team. This is going to be a top five defense this year, Jet. I promise you that. The defensive line has no holes. Quiddy Pay, who was our first round draft pick last year, played well. He wasn't, you know, anything extra special, but he played well. DeForest Buckner, we know what we got with him. Grover Stewart, another veteran. Yannick Ngakwe to come off the other side now, which is a great pickup that nobody really cares about or is talking about. Incredible linebacking core. Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, Zaire Franklin, Okereke Okereke. I forget which one he prefers. I don't care. Kenny Moore as our slot corner. Pro bowler. Ronnie McLeod. New strong, new free safety for us that nobody's talking about. Jet. Julian Blackman as well, who, you know, he's always been off the field. Stefan Gilmore, another signing. This is a great team. It really is. 13 and 4. That's all I have to say. 13 and 4. Beating the Texans, dropping two in a row in weeks two and three to the Jags and Chiefs, winning three straight to the Titans, Broncos and Jaguars, losing to the Titans, beating the Commanders, Patriots, losing to the Raiders, and then rattling off three straight to head into the bye. Eagles, Steelers, and Cowboys. We're going to beat the week 13 by 51 points. 
Week 14 bye. We will then win four straight to close out the year, winning seven straight games from week 11 on, beating the Vikings, Chargers, Giants, and Texans for a 13-4 and record. And surprise, surprise, fighting for the first seed in the AFC. Yeah, I, 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 I hate to do this, um, but I, I really like what the Colts are, have done over the offseason. I think they're they're one of those teams that you plug in a quarterback and you have a very, 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 very good team. So I do have the Colts going 13-4 and four as well, and, and it pains me to do that. I don't believe they're a 13-win team, but the schedule lines up that way, and, and yes, they have the, the capabilities to do it. Um, I, I think they can definitely be a, a top one, two seed in, in this conference, even even with how good it is. It's just how good of a team this this Colts team has that they've they've assembled there in Indianapolis. Um, so it hurts, it really does. <laughs> it does, but it, it, it's, just, it's just how good they are. You're cringing through this whole thing. <laughs> game by game, uh, when when at Houston, lose at Jacksonville. Win versus Kansas City, win versus Tennessee, lose at Denver, win versus Jacksonville, lose at Tennessee, win versus Washington, New England, Las Vegas, Philly, Pittsburgh, and at Dallas, and then win at Minnesota, lose versus the Chargers, win at Giants, and win at Houston. They may even take that L because they may not even need a a, a game to win there because they could have already wrapped up the bye if they're the one seed prior to that. So, yeah, I, I – I, Love what the Colts have done, and <laughs> I just can't say that enough, even though it hurts. Any any cause for concern for this team? I don't. I don't think they're going to be a top five defense. I, I think I, I. I get what you're saying. There's there's a lot of a lot of talent. Um, you could fill me in a little bit more on um someone like a Grover Stewart or uh, Zaire Franklin. Not too familiar with those names, but I feel like. Just from not hearing about them as much, I feel those could be potential weaknesses. Okay, I can tell you after the show, just because I don't want to bore everybody listening. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe, Rodney McLeod, Stefan Gilmore is a very underrated three to add onto your defense. Adding someone in almost every position. Um, I can't forget about Rodrigo either. I think he's going to keep the job. That's That, honestly, he scares me. Rodrigo (laughs) scares the shit out of me, but... I don't want to say it just because he's raw, but I don't I don't know what to say about Rodrigo. I hope I honestly hope he doesn't keep the job. You got Jake Verity as your backup first season out of East Carolina, so maybe. Well, let's uh, let's not forget the Colts also have Nick Foles, who is no stranger to Super Bowl victories. Matt Ryan is this year to get his first. Nick Foles is here to get his second ring. Jeff, you ready for the surprise segment? We all, by the way, we both have Colts Titans. Uh, actually, the Jaguars in third, just because somehow it worked out that way. I don't know why. Tiebreaker. And then Texans four, yeah. So I don't know what the tiebreaker is. All right. NBA this or that, Jet. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and doubt that you have any of these. You're prepared for any of these. So, Are you taking the duo of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo or – or are you going to take the duo of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey? You take it. Which vet and young gun are you taking? Which duo? It's easy. It's Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And I think it more has to do with 
when you're looking at Bam Adebayo and Tyrese Maxey, there's just a, a very big difference there. We just saw Bam Adebayo go go nuclear in in the Miami Pro League a couple of days ago, and I mean that, that's just saying he's been working on his game all offseason. Adding a he added a mid range shot last offseason. Now he's working on adding that three point shot just to kind of make him to a complete player. We've seen plenty of flashes from Bam in in the past. He just really has to put it all together. And obviously, I'll take Joel Embiid over Jimmy Butler, but as a collective duo it's very hard to to not think that jimmy butler and bam Adebayo is the answer here yeah i take Especially joel and Bean. they own those those two guys in the playoffs i take joel and being tyrese maxi in a landslide positional value is a massive thing to me and if i'm looking at if these guys are playing two on two jet i mean the heat still win no no yes. no no absolutely, absolutely not are you serious bam Adebayo is not scoring and he's not out and beat in isolated one-on-ones and if jimmy and if butler jimmy butler if but but if butler on all right one-on-one tyrese maxi's not going to take any shots he's just going to kick it into a beat if butler goes to help and beat passes it out to maxi he knocks down that three bam, all the bam, time unless you're talking about a skills competition stand joel Embiid. he may not be no. able to score on him but he could definitely guard him incorrect which trio are you taking of three players under the age of 25 that all are actually on the same team. Are you taking John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., or are you starting your your team with Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley? I think it's pretty. I think it's. I think it's the John Morant, Darius Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think the the big reason of that is you the best player is John Morant out of this bunch and. In the season that Desmond Bain had last year, Jaron Jackson has shown plenty of flashes when healthy. Um, obviously, Darius Garland also got that big deal, but it all comes down to John Morant, and he's slowly inching up the top players in the NBA and having him on your side. You know you're always going to be in a good position. I agree. I think that the only thing that is redeeming it for the Garland, Allen, and Mobley, Mobley side is that Jared Allen is a center. And it's always good to have a center locked up on your roster, your franchise is set. Of course. Um, but, you know, it, I could have gone either way here, but I, I agree with you. I went John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Prime Dwayne Wade or prime Ray Allen? Prime Dwayne Wade. I, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's pretty easy. Obviously, we you know what Ray Allen is capable of as a shooter and – some crucial moments, obviously, for the Heat franchise, but with with the Celtics as well. But Dwayne Wade as a complete player on, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, obviously one of the, the best players to play for the Miami Heat, one of the best players to play in the NBA. You can see his poster behind me. I have a big, I have his big face staring at me when I sleep on my, my wall as well. So, you, you know, you know, I'm all D Wade, um, Mr. Three or the real Mr. Three or five. Wow. I, I I went with D Wade as well. I just I threw that in there because Ray Allen has some really iconic moments in in your franchise's history. Shaq and Kobe or Jordan and Pippen? That's a tough one. I, I don't I don't think it should be as tough, but it's. I'm gonna go Shaq and Kobe. And, Same. and the reason is, I saw a picture of Shaquille O'Neal the other day <laughs> where there were five five defenders around him, and he still managed to get to the basket. Just the pure dominance that he displayed um, 
obviously Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, both outstanding players, and Michael Jordan definitely has the edge there. But Scottie Pittman and Shaquille O'Neal, I think it's it's really not even close in my opinion. We know yeah. how good of a player Scottie Pittman was, but those two, Kobe and, and Shaq together, if, if it's unfortunate they didn't get to play longer because if they did, I feel like they could have gotten a few more rings out of it. Definitely they could have. Who is more likely to finish as the one seed and repeat in their respective conferences, the Suns or the Heat? It, it, it really, really, I hate to say it, but it is the Suns, and it, it pains me, but I'm really concerned what the Heat are going to do at the four spot. I mean, we're looking at someone like a Caleb Martin, um, <laughs> Nikola Jovic, or Haywood Highsmith at the moment. <laughs> um, now that we don't have P.J. Tucker, but I think – I. This my opinion on this could change if the Heat are able to land either Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant, which which seems pretty unlikely. But the Suns have pretty much everyone returning, and while I don't believe they'll finish as the one seed, I think that they do have a better chance to. Well, is is DeAndre Ayton still looking like he's going to get shipped out of there? He can't. What he happened? Can't get traded to for another ex. I forget the because since he was. So since he was a restricted free agent, obviously the, the Pacers ended up signing him and then the Suns yeah. ended up matching it. But once you sign oh, a player, yeah, 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 yeah. there's a certain number of days before we can actually trade that player. So I don't even think they'll even look to do that. Who repeat? Who's more likely to repeat as the last seed? Orlando Magic or Houston Rockets? I think it's the Houston Rockets. I think um, Orlando Magic, obviously, with them having the number one pick, adding uh, Paulo Banchero to go along with a bunch of young guys on that team. I wouldn't say that the future is looking up, but it's, I think it's looking more up than, than a, a 15 seed in, in the, in the NBA the, the Rockets have a ton of draft capital that they've accumulated from the James Harden deals and they have some talent, but um, I, I, I give the edge to the, um, the magic here. Agreed. And last question. Who is more dominant? 2019 and 2020 Giannis, or 2021 and 2022 Nikola Jokic? I'll go with Giannis here. Um, he he is not an easy guy to guard, and I know we both know that. I know we know what Nikola Jokic brings to the table, but when you pair Giannis, is not only is Offensive bill is just driving down, driving into the paint and just getting any shot he wants. I know he's not the best of shooters, but defensively, I think he's on a different level than Nikola Jokic. And you know how I feel about defense based on our last five episodes, me portraying that I'm a defensive-minded person. Hence, I, I think it's very close, but I, I like the explosiveness and the the, the dynamic the, the dynamic ability that Giannis brings on the defensive end of the court. Yeah, it's also easy to add in that Giannis's teams are better two than than Jokic's teams were but yeah I agree with you on that one as well your word today ladies and gentlemen is a word that is pronounced interestingly on Merriam-Webster if you've ever been to school you would know that word is pathos p-a-t-h-o-s 
I'm not too sure what Merriam-Webster is on. I, I Maybe they still think it's 1828. I'm honestly getting really fucking tired of this company. I don't know what to tell you. I honestly, I, I after it said pathos like that, I literally wanted to stop doing the fucking segment. So you guys are of a segment just because Merriam-Webster can't get their shit together. I apologize. I really do. Maybe I'll come at you with a word of the day to open next episode and one to close, but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, this would have been a good one to do. If they had just pronounced it fucking correctly, I could have gone about Jet picking the Mets out of a, a emotional pity, but well, I don't really care. I'm not going to sit here and say pathos and expect me to, to care about your stupid fucking website. So I apologize, everybody. Other than that, great episode. Jet, I had a lot of fun with you. A lot of fun with everybody listening. Miriam Webster, I'm so tired of your, your bullshit. I'm Tommy. That was Jet. And this is the 258 Sportscast, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We really do love you, Miriam Webster. It's just a no, for us. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs>